Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's guest is Scott Lease, founder of Scott Lease Consulting, the Surf and Sales podcast, and author of the book, Addicted to the Process, How to Close Transactional Sales with Confidence and Consistency. And Scott joins the podcast to chat all things sales and business, being a leader, sharing messages, especially in this wacky time of social distancing and a lot of virtual events. And because we're both fans of rock music from the 90s, we chat a little bit about some of our favorite bands, both well-known and a little bit more obscure. So hopefully we'll get some deep cuts that you like on here. But for now, let's dive on in. When did you know that you were good at sales, Scott? Do you remember the first thing that you ever sold? Um, yeah, I mean, I can remember the first first deal I ever closed. I wrote about this uh, before in my in my book, and I talked about it before. But the first deal I ever closed was uh, my very first week as an inside sales rep on the very first Friday, and it was uh, 9:30 or so at night, and I was cold calling Hawaii, uh, trying to sell to real estate agents. <clears throat> we were selling online lead generation tools, and uh, you know I was trying to take advantage of the time zone. And to be honest with you, I was like scared I was going to get fired already because I hadn't closed the deal. You know, I had, I had like that level of urgency. Um, and I ended up one call closing this guy and like the light bulb kind of went off. I'm like, wow, you know, that was a hell of a rush. And <clears throat> the only reason I got this deal is because it's 930 at night and I'm still here working. Like that's probably my, my angle of how to get good is like, I'm just going to outwork everybody. Um, and, you know, it took me like, I, I did okay that first full month, but then the month after that, um, <clears throat> I was the number one rep in the company, and it was like, okay, I think I, I think I might, you know, know what I'm doing here. Um, so it didn't, it didn't take me, you know, that long, despite the fact I, I had no prior sales experience. I, I was not one of these kids who, you know, grew up like entrepreneurial or, you know, selling cookies on the street or lemonade or whatever. Like I didn't do any of that stuff, you know, at all. Um, so I, I, I got lucky, man. I got lucky that I uh, you know, stumbled into something that um, I, I, I had some natural ability. In. Yeah, you certainly managed to make a good uh, career of it. Can you kind of just give a real quick overview of how you sort of went from that first job and then now you've got your own company. So what was that sort of path like? Well, so I was in an AE for only um, only about seven months. So I, I did really well, you know, as an AE, just started breaking records, and then you know got bumped into a sales leadership role pretty quickly, and was managing a team of like twenty something people, and that bumped me up to senior sales manager, and you know, was running um, a whole office in California and helping out office in Arizona, and. Um, I was at that first company for about two and a half years and I kind of feelinged out like they were not going to make me a VP and I wanted to, you know, keep moving up. And I was very ambitious and like very aggressive and just kind of betting on myself. And so I, I left, um, ended up finding a, a VP of sales gig at a super, super early stage company. I mean, there was like three employees. Um, so really like building everything from scratch. And I, that's just been the pattern that I've followed ever since then. You know, I've, I tend to be places two and a half to three years at a time and kind of get it to a certain place. And then, you know, 
move on and try to look for the next thing to build. And so <clears throat> I've been, you know, um, like a in sales leadership, I, I've been an operator six times, five of those times as a VP of sales uh, or SVP of sales, um, all, all but one, so six times total. One of them was like only lasted like eight or nine months. So it's five of them I'd call wins. Um, had a couple exits, a couple that are like in the works. And, um, you know, on the side, I started like, advising and consulting other companies about their sales practices and and building my network out which helped me you know with recruiting and just kind of matching people up to opportunities and whatnot and um and i wrote books called addicted to the process in 2017 about like kind of health struggles that i went through and how i got into sales and how you know i felt like um you know i had a maybe unique spin on sales methodology so i created this thing called the addiction model of selling and um you know my my consulting business kind of kept growing and on the side and then i founded the surf and sales business this micro kind of sales conference and got that going in 2018 and then just in october of this last year um you know finally decided to kind of cut the cord and not work for anybody else anymore and just go all in on my you know, my, uh, my consulting business, my surface sales business, and I'm about halfway through my, uh, my second book right now and, uh, spun off the surface sales podcast in, in the beginning of the, of this year here. And, uh, man, I just, you know, I'm staying busy, man. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, it sounds like you're right. I got my busy. hands in a lot of things. <laughs> I got my, I got my hands in a, in a, in a lot of cookie jars, you know, Wow. Absolutely. Did you have, uh, when you made the, the cut the cord, as you say, the kind of leap into full-time your own business, did you have kind of like that aha moment for lack of a better term of this is it, this is why I'm going to do it? Or was it just like, wait a minute, like, no, I, I, I had been, I had been knowing that this, that day was coming for a while. Um, but I was, you know, kind of risk adverse and like had locked myself in financially to, you know, particular income level and style of life and whatnot. Um, and even more than that, like, I'm just so competitive that I, that the idea of somehow earning less just like hurt. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't live like a very lavish lifestyle to be honest with you. I, I don't even live within my means. I live way under my means. Um, but like that competitive piece, like, oh man. So I, I had decided that I'd pull the trigger when my side hustle income matched my income from my regular gig. And so once it did that, I was like, okay, I can cut this other gig and, you know, hopefully kind of maintain. And what has ended up happening is it went like, <laughs> you know, way up, um, which has been great so far. Um, you know, even despite all this, coronavirus craziness and everything like that like i feel very lucky and blessed like I'm, I'm in a really good position and you know i think now more than ever um you know companies are looking for help with sales and understanding you know how to build them to scale and managing remote teams and all this kind of thing so uh, you know so far so good for me awesome and i think that's one of the things that i've appreciated at least from what i've seen from you is it, you're kind of taking a step back. It's like, hey, you don't need to be super aggressive about trying to get new leads right now. Like, worry about the customers that you have. Like, they're all they're all struggling with this too. Uh, and I think 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like every mailing list I've ever signed up for sent a coronavirus uh, update at some point over the last few weeks. And in some cases, I was just like, okay, what, like, this doesn't really, you know, this wasn't really needed, but it, it just kind of seemed like everyone wanting to get into the conversation. Um, so do you have a, a tip or a piece of advice for how companies can kind of stand out in this sort of sea of everyone trying to get in on this messaging without being too over the top? I, I think just trying to <clears throat> help them problem solve, you know, it's one thing to just send a note and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about you during this crazy time. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've been advising people to have their sales folks like turn inside, so to speak, and help out the customer success team and, and really just call people up and be like, Hey, Joey, like what kind of changes and adjustments are you guys going through over there? You know, how, how are you thinking about this? right? What challenges are you having? Maybe, maybe I've been through some of that before. Maybe I can tell you what some of your, you know, colleagues and contemporaries are doing. Um, you know, maybe there's some kind of data or some, some articles I can share with you as you're trying to, you know, maybe go cloud-based for the first time, or maybe, you know, running a virtual company for the first time. And maybe there's people I can introduce you to, or um, articles to share, podcasts to, to share, you know, any of this kind of stuff. Like, um, and just asking, you know, and then taking it a step further and actually doing something about it, right? Like you want you want to set yourself apart nowadays. Like it's real simple. Do what the fuck you said you were gonna do. <laughs> it's pretty simple because it's not that many people who actually do what they say they're gonna do, at least in a timely kind of manner, right? Um, and so that's what I, you know, that's what I've been trying to do. I, you know, I have some clients that I. I reached out to you and said, Hey man, you know, you might be strapped for resources. Like you want me to run a sales meeting for you? You want me to do some one-on-ones for, for your team? You want me to write some blog posts for you or, you know, do a help with a webinar, or <clears throat> assist with your deal flow, or, you know, any of this kind of stuff. Um, things that are, you know, often outside the scope, even of what I normally do. Um, and then just, you know, taking every inquiry, you know, I've been, I've, I get dozens of messages every day of people saying, you know, can you help me out? I, you know, I got to need advice on this topic, that topic. Can I, you know, borrow 15 minutes of your time? And honestly, I, I say yes to all that stuff. You know, I, I might not be able to talk to you until late May right now, <laughs> which is, which is true by the way. But, um, you know, I, I, I'll take those and, and just try to get back and just try to be helpful. And I think people will remember you know, in the long term, hopefully, um, you know, how you acted and, and, and behaved and treated people, you know, during this thing. And, and hopefully things get back to, to normal and, and hopefully, uh, you know, some, some good karma comes everybody's way who, who acted right during all this. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I like to think I have a pretty good memory, but sometimes I'm just floored by how good someone's memory is of like an interaction we had you know, 12 or 15 years ago. And they're like, oh, I remember yeah. you, you said this one thing that was <clears throat> super valuable to me and have always held on to it. So totally agree that you, you, yeah. need to, you need to be treating people right during this. So I mean, I got, I got one of those messages like three or four hours ago. You know, this, this, this guy on LinkedIn sent me a note and said, uh, you know, a few years ago, you took the time to hop on a call with me and you know, I needed some help and some advice and I had nothing to offer you. And he was like, dude, honestly, years later, like, I remember that conversation. I'm like, wow, you know, that is, 
that message makes me feel so good. You know, that, that kind of, that's all the reward you need sometimes, right? Absolutely. Um, that's, that's, that's cool to be able to do that kind of thing and, and hopefully, you know, positively impact somebody's, somebody's business or their career or their life or what have you. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun to get those kind of notes back. For sure, for sure. And this probably uh, ties in nicely to this, but I feel like every time I log on to LinkedIn, something that you've written is up at the top of the, the uh, feed <laughs> on my, and, and I have a, a decent amount of connection. So it's not like, you know, you're the only one, but. Yeah, maybe I, you need a bigger network. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's the, that's the uh, real lesson here. <laughs> but, uh, but I think LinkedIn is, a, is definitely a tougher platform to crack, it seems like for a lot of folks. Um, and I think there's a, a fine line between being too self-promotional and uh, authentic, which I think, people can struggle with, but how have you kind of found that balance? Because I think your posts are really thoughtful and, and come from an honest place. Is that really the key to it? Or, or have you found other ways to kind of make LinkedIn work? Well, I mean, to be perfectly candid with you, like I really struggle right now with balancing <clears throat> just original kind of content with promotional stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm participating in so many podcasts and, and in virtual happy hours and webinars and, and summits and <clears throat> training programs and whatnot. Um, and you feel an obligation to people to, to share the, share the content, share the event, right? I'm sure, you know, let's be real. I'm sure people want to talk to me, but you know, they also want access to my network to draw, you know, some, uh, <clears throat> some more eyeballs to it. Right. Um, and so, you know, I feel, I feel an obligation to promote it, but like, God dang, you know, like, <laughs> I think, I think I did like 12, 13 events last week and there's just no way for me to, to squeeze all the promotional stuff in over there. So it, it, it's tough. I can, I can empathize with that. Um, as far as the other stuff goes, you know, I, I didn't really start speaking until I, I was already pretty deep in my career, you know, um, <clears throat> And I think that had given me, that's given me a big confidence boost um, to just sort of say whatever the fuck I feel, you know, <laughs> because I, I'm like, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, I'm, I mean, my, my track record kind of stands for itself. I've, I've done pretty well. I've, you know, built some good companies. I've networked and, and helped a lot of people out. There's a lot of people who work for me that, you know, give me good references and things like that. So, <clears throat> you know, um, there's no risk in, in being true to myself, right? Like I, I dress like I did in high school. I look like a homeless person. You know, <laughs> I, I, I curse. Like I, you know, like I wear baseball hats. Like I don't look like a traditional VP of sales. And so I just kind of embrace that, I guess, you know, and, and my voice and in, in my niche, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I tell it like I, like I see it and like I've lived through it. You know, I, I, I talk a lot about things that have been difficult, you know, people know about my health challenges and, you know, the pain that I, I'm in every single day and how that attacks your mental health as well. And I, I talk about some of these things and I, I try to shed light in areas that, you know, other people um, maybe don't have much exposure to, right? Like what's it like in an executive room? What's it like in a board meeting? you know do you even understand what your equity means and, and things like that you know and i try to advocate for uh 
for the every man, so to speak, right? Um, and so that that's that's been my that's been my strategy, I guess. And you know, there's a lot of people who do things very different, probably than me, and it works really well for them, and and, and probably way better for them than than my stuff does. But uh, that's what works for me, you know. Awesome. Yeah, and I think it, it is just kind of a it's almost like a sandbox where you kind of have to get in there and play around and see what works best for you. Cause I've seen some people that are 100% just here's a link to my latest thing and yeah. like real generic. It's almost like the, the title of post just goes like right over. Um, so definitely, definitely a little bit of a challenge to get in there, but I think once you find what works, then you'll yeah. see some great results. Yeah. And you gotta be, you gotta be consistent with it. That's the other thing. Right. You, you can't, can't just once every eight months out. isn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't do that. You know, you gotta, you gotta be hammering it consistently. Um, you know, a couple of days a week, I think at least. Um, and you got to man the notifications and the inbox. Right. And I think people are intimidated by that. You know, I think people often have a hard time managing their, their email inbox or their, and their Slack messages and, and what have you. And, and the thought of like, Oh my God, you know, I'm going to get a hundred emails a day and God knows how many notifications and things like that. How am I going to keep track of all that? It's like, well, you, you just do, man. It just becomes a part of your day and part of your routine. And, you know, I, I've, I've built much of, if not all of my businesses on the, on the, on the foundation of having like a really strong, you know, presence on, uh, on LinkedIn, you know, it's worth it, I guess, is what I'm getting at, for me, at least. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you had mentioned earlier the Surf and Sales podcast is kind of a spinoff. Uh, how did yeah. you decide to start a podcast? Was it just, you're like, wait a minute, I have a lot of good stuff and like chatting with people about this, let's do it? Yeah, just a, <clears throat> another way to kind of amplify the brand, Surf and Sales, a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we... Richard and I know a lot of really smart folks um, in the SaaS community and sales and leadership and things like that. And like, man, the, the, one of the best reasons to do a podcast is because you have the opportunity to learn from people every single time you record, mm -hmm. right? It's just like, you know, I'm, I had conversations a couple times a week with, you know, really successful salespeople and CEOs and sales leaders. And every time I'm in one of those conversations, you know, I'm, I'm jotting down notes and I'm like, damn, that's a good, good one-liner there, a good quote there, a good way to think about it there, you know? So um, I'm getting like free learning out of it, right? Um, and then, you know, you give, you, you know, it's a, it's a form of uh, content marketing, if you will, right? Uh, so it's additional content that, that we're putting out there and, you know, that might convert into surf and sales, uh, you know, attendance might convert into you know, Scott's consulting business leads or deals. Um, it might just convert into more people who engage with your content, you know, online, on, on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you just, you just have, you're doing it for fun too, right? Like I enjoy talking about business and sales and, <clears throat> and things like that, you know. Um, I'm not getting paid to run my podcast. We don't have any sponsors paying us, you know. It's all just, you know, blood, sweat, and tears at this point in time, but we we like doing it. We we um, I think last 
mm, last holiday, maybe early December, maybe mid December, we just sort of said, fuck it. Like, let's just, let's just go for it. And <clears throat> I think we recorded a couple conversations, just Richard and I to kind of, I don't know, feel it out or get the flow or, or what have you. And then we just said, let's go for it, man. And uh, so we started in January. We're uh, halfway through April now. So, you know, in about a hundred plus days, we released like 65 episodes and I've uh, got three or four in can recorded right now that have yet to be released. So, you know, we're, we're, we're doing, you know, six or seven recordings uh, every, every 10 days or so. Um, so, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to win some of the content wars, I guess. <laughs> Put my schedule to shame with that. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my schedule is, is a mess, man. You know, I, I probably work like I'll probably, you know, right now, my business has increased quite a bit um, because of everything that's happening. So I, I am no joke, like 6.30 to 11 p.m. Oof. sometimes, 6.30 in the morning to 11 p.m. Um, today is like a light day for me. And I, I started at 7.30 and I'll be done by 8 or so. That's like 12 hours, right? Now I'm juggling. So I, I recorded, this will be my second podcast I recorded today. Um, you know, I wrote blog posts. I wrote a LinkedIn post. I put, produced a newsletter today. I had three client calls. Um, you know, I've got God knows how many emails and Slack messages that I have to check still. Um, but you know, I'm just, I'm, I, I, I stay busy, you know, I try to be efficient and, uh, you know, try to try to do as much as I can, man. You know, I'm, I got big big goals and and uh ambitions and everything and you know who knows what's going to happen for the next few months like there's a part of me that's like well if, if you got clients now and you're getting paid now like better fatten up like a bear getting ready for <laughs> hibernation you know because you know, things might dry up quite a bit so i might as well get right now while the getting's good you know exactly i like that analogy the bear fattening up for you hibernation. Feel, feel, feel free to steal it man feel free to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And this is more for my uh, like 3% of audience uh, members that also host a podcast, but what's your setup like? What's your recording setup like? Oh, this is the, this is the best part. Nothing. Boom. Like <laughs> absolutely nothing. So like if you think of some podcasts that are like, you know, really like produced and there's like people making sure the sound is right. And like, I'm looking at your microphone right there and, and like, I don't have a microphone like that. Oh, I love this way one, yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds great. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, like, I don't use that, you know? And so and so Richard and I were like, you know what, man? One of the barriers is people think, like, oh, we got to produce it. we got to make it sound perfect and all this kind of thing. And we're like, dude, I don't have time for that, man. What I do have time for is just down and dirty, like, conversation. You know, if it sounds 85% good, I'll take it. That's a B, right? Off we go. So. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I have no microphone whatsoever. I just use it like straight through my MacBook Air. Same with Richard. Um, we don't do any editing. We don't script the thing. We don't send out like a questionnaire beforehand to prep people. It's just all like on the fly, you know, meandering kind of, kind of conversations. And so, you know, some people are like the, like the Molly crew with their produ <laughs> production and like, 
hair band filed and you know we're like the ramones just like playing some <laughs> dark dank skeevy skeevy bar club in a uh, in new york city you know real lo-fi <laughs> i don't know if this still exists but i uh, i remember stumbling on a youtube video a few years ago of the ramones playing at uh it was some sort of like sit down dinner club. So everyone just looks like really dressed up and then the Ramones come out in their leather jackets and jeans. I was just like, this I love, couldn't have been I the love that. audience for that. I, lo- I, lo- I love that so much. <laughs> I, need, I need to find this, this clip you're talking about. Yes, I'll see if I can dig it up and send it over, but it's, it's magical. <laughs> um, that might, that's actually, well, now they're before the 90s, but we'll get to that in a second because I like your, your top three recommendation. But before that, uh, I like. I agree. I think scripts and all of that are are a little, uh, little too too deep into things. I think the conversations are a lot more natural when you just let them flow. But I do like asking people a question that they wish they were asked more often. And for you, it was when is enough enough? So mm. when is enough enough? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a brutal question to to sit with and and think about. You know. Um, there's all the talk out there about like, you know, never be satisfied and like always set new goals and, and strive to, you know, do more, be more, all this kind of thing. And that's real heavy, man. You know, you, 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 you can very much burn yourself out. You can very much feel like you, you've never really accomplished anything. You know, uh, if you want to, you can always find somebody who's working harder, making more money than you, more famous than you, what have you. Um, and it can be quite destructive to chase that, chase that dragon, you know? Um, and so, you know, I kind of, a few years ago modeled out like, here's my magic number, I think, right? Like I'm not, I don't need to be a billionaire. You know what I mean? And I don't want to work 24 hours a day for the next 30 years to, you know, and have, and have this one kind of type of lifestyle. Like, I know my magic number that I can get to that will allow me to like disappear <laughs> basically. Uh, and if I can get, if I can get to that number, like I'm going to, I'm going to feel really good about the things that I've done. Um, and I, you know, I kind of, we'll see if I actually get there and I'm able to do this, but I kind of look at it like a gambler who's at the table and knows when to walk away, you know? Um, and there's something to be said for, or knowing when to walk away and, and reprioritizing at times. You know what I mean? Like we're at home right now and nobody's going anywhere. So I'm working 12 to 15 hours a day. But when this goes back to normal, I'm not working that much. I, I've, I've done these days, you know, for two decades previously and traveled all over the place for work or whatnot. Like I want to get back to normal. So I go coach my kids' little league team. I want to go back to soccer games. And I want to go back to my older son's cross country meet and basketball games and all this kind of stuff. Right. And so, you know, I think you find, you try to find a sweet spot, um, you know, with where, where you're obviously your basic needs are met. And I think if you can get to a place where you're not worrying about money, like if you can take you, your, your family on a trip somewhere and not look at the costs or you can go out to dinner and like not really look at the prices of, cocktails or steaks or whatever you know then you're in a really good really good spot and you don't necessarily need to double or triple your income you know beyond that particular spot right and make sure you spend time you know doing other things that you love and with with people that you love um so 
you know, I'm glad you asked, asked that question, um, you know, because I, I think that it's, it's a worthwhile conversation. And there's certainly people who will tell me like, you know, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> this is why this is this is why you're not a millionaire yet. And all that. And you know what? Yeah, you might, you might be right, you know, um, and I'm and I might be and I might be wrong. Right. But this is what this is where I've kind of this is where I'm at and kind of where I've come to terms with things, um, at least for right now. Love it. Love so it. Hopefully, hopefully that makes sense to somebody out there. <laughs> no, <laughs> it does to me at least. So hopefully, hopefully everyone else. That's good. Um, but of course now we're, we're in the home stretch here with probably the most important question here with our top three. Uh, what are your top three nineties bands? Oh man. Most amazing question. <laughs> top, top three ninety bands. Uh, Alice in Chain. Very nice. For sure, Pearl Jam, for sure, and um, I'm gonna say Nirvana just because they're just so groundbreaking. But um, I could go like a million different directions with that particular. <laughs> yeah, I, I, for legacy purposes and and like impact on the scene, I'll go Nirvana. If it's like actual staying power and and like people who existed during the 90s were not necessarily grunge like i would change my vote to metallica probably nice, nice. but the real question should the real question should be like what are your favorite <clears throat> 90s bands that um like nobody's really ever heard of or, or were more like one hit wonder types right <clears throat> what do you have three for that's, that that's I love what the deep cuts. Let's go. Give me, give me, give, give me your three like undercover '90s bands that were Joey's favorite. Oh man, undercover. I'll, I'll probably go more of like the one-hit wonder route, um, which again, like I'm really just pretty much basing it on the one hit. Uh, you know, maybe I've heard a couple. But you, of but you have, you have to, you have to have like also dove into the. Okay, the so I have to have dove into the discussion. Even like a record or two, right? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one that I'm like huge fan of like especially their first record but even some of the, the other ones that was the one hit wonder blind melon oh nice I'm, I'm a i'm a closet like blind melon fan i can go <laughs> i can listen to those the whole records like over and over that's a 90s fan for you. i like that i like that i'm i know one is coming to mind but i'm pretty sure they're early 2000s so i don't know if that <laughs> You're gonna fail this test already. I know I might be. I didn't know they had to be. It had to be such deep cuts. Uh, actually, they might be two thousands too. But I think maybe this song came out in ninety nine. But you know, Weedus with Teenage Dirtbag. Oh my god, I remember that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They yeah. have they that first album, and then they came out with a second one, which is definitely in two thousands for the second one. Um, but there are some there's some very nice songs on both of those that are like funny and well-written and just have like some simultaneously really cheesy lines, but also lines that make me chuckle. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Shout out That's to them. Even though we'll say that we'll say it came out late 90, late 99. So <laughs> just quality. Yeah. Child, child of the nineties, man. That's when I, that's when I, uh, that's when I was growing up. I mean, I was 13, I guess. Yeah. I was 13 in 1990, you know? So, Right, right when uh, all the grunge scene was like hitting, so that's like that's my roots right there, you know. So that's great. I know. I need. I feel like I've I've failed with the 
with the one hit one with deep deep cuts. Um, I mean, I would if I was answering this as just a, an artist in general. I the Offspring was the first CD I ever bought. Uh, Ixnay on the Ombre, and which is I would say not their certainly not their most popular CD, and probably one of the more like forgotten about ones over the course of their discography. But it was the first one I remember buying with my own money, and. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Crazy Taxi helped as well with uh, the All Offspring soundtrack. So <laughs> that, that fast uh, rock music that makes you want to run through a wall—it's good times. <laughs> this is not—they're not like a one-hit wonder, but like they didn't last, you know, as long as they should have. And and we certainly need them now more than ever. But it's, you know, I'd love to bring Rage Against the Machine back. That's yes. that's a '90s <laughs> band that like we need them now more than ever, man. Come on back, Zach. Yeah, what are they doing? Come, 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 come. Zach's been in the jungle for like 20 fucking years <laughs> doing God knows what. Like, Zach, dude. Hey, shout out to Zach De La Rocha. We need you back, dude. Come on. Get out, <laughs> get out of the jungle. Get out of the jungle. Get in the studio. Come on. Yes. Come on. I know Tom would do it. He's he's hosting a radio show. I heard him. Yeah. Uh, one of those one of those serious XM channels of like Tom's greatest uh, greatest guitar hits, which is just like half him and then half other bands that he likes yeah. but i mean he has a tremendous this is my first ever podcast where i told zach de la rocha to come down <laughs> out of the mountains <laughs> excellent we will broadcast this from the mountains hopefully <laughs> hopefully he can uh, he can get over here <laughs> nice good deal well scott you're almost off the hook but if people want to reach out to you i feel like we've already touched base on a couple different spots but are you hiding anywhere else on the internet no i mean i mean i'm a you know, the, the LinkedIn stuff is like the easiest way to get a hold of me. You know, um, I can be had so many different ways. I mean, there's my gotleaseconsulting.com website. There's surfingsales.com website. Uh, I'm on Twitter. But, you know, anybody listening should just reach out to me on, on LinkedIn and, you know, say hi. Let me know how I can be helpful. And, and uh, you know, from there, that's the way to start building uh, building relationships on, on LinkedIn and, and uh, eventually turned into a brand. So I'm happy to try to try to be helpful with any with anybody in that respect. Awesome. Well, appreciate you hopping on and you're officially off the hook. All right, man. Awesome. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. You All too. Right. And of course, we always end with a corny joke because this is life uh, at this point. But how do you make a tissue dance? You put a little boogie in it. Good afternoon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mic drop. Mm-hmm.